y'all must be really hot. I mean, because it's warming up in this place. I just, the same. Just saying. Walked into a story the other day, and uh, by Jay, and we were sitting there, and and uh, something, and the lady come running out. She was mouthing somebody else over there, and I said something like that. Man, you're hot! And she goes, "Finally, somebody noticed." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, and we'll be camping out there. We started uh, last week in Acts uh, chapter 2, and uh, been talking about being engaged. I know some of you want to be engaged. Some of you are engaged. And um, also looking at being active. Active in our faith. Active in what we do. Active in becoming uh, who God wants us to be. And through that process, you initiate. You, you initiate in the sense that you, you become bold. That's what we're going to be talking about today, becoming bold. That you initiate into different things. Um, you know how scary it is to make change? You know, some of you going into college, it's like, oh, no, what am I going to do? You know, uh, some of you switching from middle school to high school. That's a big change. That's a scary change for a lot of people. Uh, going from intermediate school to uh, to um, middle school. And all of a sudden you got lockers and combinations that freaks everybody out. You know, I used to I used to rig my locker where it would just never lock, you know, and just open it up. And then when it did lock one day, I couldn't get any of my books out because I didn't know what my combination was. And then somebody finally said toward the end of the day, well, you know, you can go to the office and get your combination back. I said, oh, nope, didn't know that. All right. So learn something new every day. Last week, we looked at the idea that I gave you an illustration about a football team coming together and uh, they huddled up. It's Friday night, first football game. Everybody's excited. The, the town shows up. They want to see what the football team's like this year. And, and uh, Friday night lights are there. They all get out there. The offense takes the ball. They get out there, and they get in the huddle, and they go, all right, what play are we running? You know, the coach, coach sends one in, or the quarterback calls one off his sleeve, and they're like, right, let's run a 22 sweep, 22 sweep. And the guys are going, oh, that's awesome. That's a great play, and that's going to work great on this, uh, this defense, you know. And, and man, we're, we're going to be so good this year. Isn't it great, you know? And they're all high-fiving each other. And, and uh, finally, the ref blows the whistle and throws the yellow flag, and there's a delay of game. And so they back up five yards, and they, they get in the huddle again. Is there another play we could run? I mean, 22 sweep is really good, but do you have another play we could run? He said, hey, how about we run a power I-34 or something like that? And they're like, oh, that would be great. And the fullback's going, yes, finally, I get the ball, you know. And, and they're talking about this. And all of a sudden, they break into, man, our, isn't our coach great how he's really helped us, and he's, he's pumped us up, and he's, you know, uh, trained us, and we're ready to go. And, you know, and they start talking about it, and, and all of a sudden, the whistle blows, and the yellow flag's thrown, and they're like, delay of game. And the ref's like, what are you guys doing? Man, we're talking about how great of a football team we are, how we're going to blast this defense, you know, out of the water, and, and how great our coach is. And the ref's like, well, you're just going to have to do that five more yards back. And so they back them up, and they do it again. They, you know, man, we have a great school. We have a great team. Look at our mascot. They're awesome, you know. We're pumped. We're, we're all this stuff. And the whistle blows again, and they back it up. And, and everybody in the stands is going, what is going on? This, this is insane. And yet we look at churches all across America that just huddle. 
The idea that they just get together, it's just about a meeting, it's just about worship, it's just about coming together, and that's all they do. They just huddle. They talk about how great things are, how great facilities they have, you know, how great their mascots are, you know, how great Jesus is, and but yet they never expand it. They, they never get engaged into the play. They never run a play. They learn about the plays and they memorize stuff, but they actually never run a play. And so that's what we're talking about today is that the idea that it's right to huddle. It's right to get equipped and get encouraged, okay? It's, it's right to, to build you up and to edify one another, but then to go out and get engaged, to run a play. And, and we're going to look at that today. So the whole idea is when we look at um, Peter chapter, or Peter chapter 4, Acts chapter 4, we're looking at Peter again. And uh, Peter, as you know, last week we looked at Acts chapter 2. He gave this great sermon and 3,000 people came to Christ. And that's incredible. But today we're going to look at the fact that uh, uh, Peter has to go, Peter and John has to go before this council. Now they're in trouble because they've been speaking Jesus. Why are they in trouble? Because uh, in chapter 3, if you get a chance to go back and read this, but it's, it's a really cool story. I'm just going to give you the storyline. Peter and John are heading to the, the synagogue, heading to the temple. And on their way close to it, there's this guy who's been lame. And uh, he's asking for alms. He's asking for money. He's asking for help. And Peter and John are like... Man, I forgot my wallet. I don't have any money. I don't have any silver. I don't have any gold. What I do have, I have Jesus. I'll give you Jesus. Come on. And the guy gets up. His legs are working. He's not lame anymore. And he is pumped. I mean, he's dancing. He's that excited. So he must not have been a Baptist. But just the idea that he was dancing in through the temple, in through the synagogue. And the religious leaders, what are they doing? They were Baptists because they were going, why is this guy dancing? Isn't he lame? What, what, wasn't that the lame guy that was outside the doors that we've walked by week by week by week? And we've, you know, maybe we've thrown him a few coins. Maybe we've helped him out. Maybe we put him up in a hotel room. Maybe we gave him a little bit of food. But just the whole idea that there's this lame guy and he's dancing through the synagogue and they're going, all right, who's responsible? Who caused this? I mean, isn't that the way some churches run? Somebody gets excited. I, I remember a girl one time, we, she got saved and we did the uh, baptism. And she comes up out of the water going, hallelujah. And everybody's like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> did we miss it? But here's this guy. I mean, wouldn't you be excited if you've been lame and you can't walk and all of a sudden now you can walk? Uh, let me paint this picture. Jesus coming through at the beginning of his ministry. Peter and John are on the, on the banks of the, of the shore, mending nets and fixing the boat and doing all this stuff. And Jesus walks by. And we've talked about this. Jesus walks by and he tells them, Peter, John, do what? <coughs> Follow me. And Peter and John, they've seen the resurrected Jesus. And they're preaching the resurrection. And they're going to church about 3 o'clock in the afternoon to go during prayer time. And they're walking in. There's a lame guy there. And they're going, I don't have anything. But what I do have, I'm going to give you. It's Jesus. They didn't break into a huddle. They didn't go, oh, John, what should we do here? I don't know what to do. 
maybe we should get a committee together. Let's get all the disciples together and let's pray. Should we anoint him with oil? Should we um, bring him inside the church and maybe they can lay hands on him? No. They just immediately, by what they had been trained, how they had been trained by the Master, they just responded to a situation by bringing Jesus into it. I have Jesus. Here you go. Now, pray a prayer. You need to get saved. Okay? We need to baptize you. Just, all I have is Jesus. Come. And the guy got up and walked. So, we pick up in chapter 4. Verse 1, it says, And as they were speaking to the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, like rushing in. Who's responsible? They find out it's Peter and John, and they run up on them. Look what happens. Greatly what? Disturbed or annoyed. All right? Somebody is messing up our service. This is not what we had planned. Somebody is passing out Kool-Aid and it's not the right kind, all right? I mean, just the whole idea that they are greatly annoyed and they are teaching because they were teaching the people and proclaiming the Jesus, in Jesus, the resurrection from what? The dead. That doesn't happen. I mean, has, has any of you seen anybody resurrect from the dead? I'm just saying. Anybody? Lately? In your life? You know, have, have you seen people fall over and you went and prayed over them and, and God raised them back up? I've, I've heard of that. You know, heart attacks where they, you know, shock them, bring them back. Had a kid one time uh, playing football for Springdale. His heart raced away with them and they shocked him out on the field during the game. And uh, his heart came back into rhythm. I mean, just the whole idea that, I mean, this is something that is very, very unique. Has it happened before? Yeah, Jesus raised Lazarus. He raised a little girl. And you notice he didn't do it the same way. I'm just saying. He went and touched a little girl, picked her up, and let her out. Lazarus, he just stood back and said, hey, Lazarus, come here. And he came. So here's Peter and John. They're preaching the resurrection of Jesus. And this is really making them mad. I mean, not just annoyed, not really just disturbed. This is really making them angry because look, look what happens. Verse 3. And they did what? <laughs> they arrested him. All right. They cuffed him and stuffed him. And they put them in custody until what? Next day, for it was already an evening. You know, Al, it's like when I, when I met you for the first time, you know, and you booked me in. My, my fear was that I was not going to get out until Monday morning, and I was going to be able to preach Sunday. That was really freaking me out. I'm going, oh, Lord, please help me through this, you know. And, and here they are. They let them sit on ice for a whole evening and night. Explain why you got arrested. <laughs> now I'm just going to leave that. You guys can answer that later. <laughs> Chapter, uh, verse 4. But many of those who had heard the word. That's why we're mosaic. We're broken, messed up people coming together to worship God with our lives. <laughs> but many of those who had heard from, from the word... Many of those who heard the word did what? Believe. Now get this. 
All they're doing is in church. They're in church. How many people are there? Well, there's got to be over 5,000 because 5,000, guess what? The number of the men came to about 5,000 people because they heard the word and they believed. What word did they hear? The resurrection from the dead. That would get your attention, wouldn't it? I mean, we've already seen uh, that they are responding. The disciples and the apostles are responding to what they've seen and what they've heard. What they've seen and what they've heard. I mean, they spent three and a half years with Jesus. They heard him teach. They saw him heal people. They heard about the kingdom of God. And now, seeing the resurrected Jesus and hearing him speak, and he fixed lunch for them on the beach one day. They're excited. There is something different about them because were they at the tomb on Monday morning or Sunday morning waiting for the resurrection? No. There was nobody there counting down from 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, waiting for Jesus to come. They all didn't believe. You think you have a hard time with your faith? They were with Jesus, and they didn't believe. In your own mind, in your own heart, you just want God just to say just one word out loud, and you'd go, I would believe. And here they walked with Jesus, and they still, at the tomb, did not believe until the resurrection, and then all of a sudden something changed. Something about them became bold that they were going to continue to share. See, look look what happens here. Verse 5. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem. Okay, all these uh, head honchos are coming together. Verse 6. When uh, Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all who were of the high priestly family all showed up. You know what? These were the same people that were there at the crucifixion, right? I mean, they were there. They crucified Christ. Look what happens. And when they had set them in their midst, okay, the, the council is gathered around. It's like court, court day, and they put the guys in the middle, okay, Peter and John. And they inquired, by what power or by what name did you do this? And I think it's interesting that they threw in there by what name, because they knew what name, didn't they? They knew that the guy that Peter and John gave them Jesus I mean, why do you think they let them sit there all night? They needed to get their information together. They needed to know how that they were going to work this, this trial thing. So by what power or by what name did you do this? Look at the response, verse 8. Then Peter, what was he filled with? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit empowered him. The Holy Spirit is bringing back to his mind everything that he needs to know and to say. And and look how Peter responds. Rulers of the people and elders. He's respectful. He's not in their face. Okay, but look what he says. If we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, if that's why we're on trial, because we did something good to help a crippled guy, that's kind of a... You kind of wonder sometimes, why am I on trial for something I did good? 
By what means this man has been healed? Really? We're on trial for that? Look what he says. Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of who? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Jesus the Messiah of Nazareth. Whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead. By him, this man is standing before you well. What did they do? They crucified him. But we've seen him. And because of his name, he's standing before you well. Verse 11. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected, the cornerstone by the builders, which has become the cornerstone. You threw him out. You rejected him. You crucified him. You didn't think that he's the Messiah. I mean, even in Deuteronomy, it says that if, if God, okay, or if a man was hung on a tree, he was cursed. His family was cursed. So how could Jesus be God if he hung on a tree? He would be cursed. But he took our curse of sin. He took it to the grave. And he resurrected. I mean, for a guy to predict his death and his resurrection and pull it off, you would have a tendency to believe that, right? And that's where Peter is and John. This, is the, this Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. Look, look, let's go on. Verse 12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among, my, given among men by which we must be what? You know, this is, uh, is a whole game changer for the religious community. For any religious community. Because up to this point, it's never been salvation by a name. It's been salvation, salvation by what you've done or how you've lived and according to who you're serving. But never salvation by a name. Let's go on. Now, when they saw the what? Say that again. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, something's going on here, and they perceived that they were what? Okay. They were uneducated. How do we know that? Well, Greek scholars look at the writings of Peter, First and Second Peter, and if I could put it in our vernacular... Uh, it's kind of like my first essay I turned into college to Dr. Heifel. He gave it back to me. He, li- he lived just down the road from me. He gave it back to me, and it had a big old circle, red circle, with a big old F in the middle of it. And then off to the side, he wrote, Mike, you write like you talk. You get that. I, I understand. <laughs> Peter was like that. If we could say it, he's redneck. Paul, on the other hand, you look at the, the 17 books that Paul wrote, and a lot of those he, he's, he had a scribe writing for him when he spoke. He spoke as an educated man. Kind of like my professor in Old Testament, uh, I, I would raise my hand ever so often, and I'd say, Dr. Bowling, could you bring that down to my level? I don't understand a word you're saying. And, and Paul is like that sometimes. You have to kind of carry a dictionary around to see what, exactly what he's talking about. 
So here, this council of educated men is looking at Peter and John going, you know what? They're uneducated. They're common. They're the ordinary blue-collar society. And they were astonished at their boldness. They were astonished at their ability to get up and speak. And all these people are coming to faith because of what they're saying. And then they wrap it up like this. And they recognize that they had been with who? Oh, wait a minute. These are the guys that have been with Jesus. These are the guys that we saw going from town to town with Jesus and and healing those and, and spreading this, you know, this religion that we don't agree with. They recognize that Peter and John were with Jesus. And what's their response? Verse 14. But seeing the man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to what? They had nothing to say in opposition. What are we going to say? The guy is standing right there. This is not like a TV evangelist, you know, knock him down. You know, I mean, not saying that God can't do that. But what I am saying is that here is evidence of, of something that has been done. And we can't deny that this was the lame man outside. Why? Because look, verse 15. And when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another. All right, guys, we've got to talk. Kick them out. Send them out to the next room. We're going to talk about this. Verse 16 saying, What shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we can't deny it. We can't say this didn't happen. There are 5,000 people who saw this happen. I mean, the reason this man was lame and is now walking is because Peter and John gave them Jesus, but reality it wasn't just for him to walk that's the bonus it was for people to come to faith is the reason that this miracle has happened remember Jesus walking with his apostles and they get to this guy and they see this little this blind guy and and the, the apostles are like Jesus why is this guy blind he's been blind from birth is it because he sinned in the womb or is it because his parents sinned and they're being punished? And he says, neither. This is so that God can be glorified. And he touched him and he could see. See, miracles happen not for people to go, wow, look what we did. Miracles happen so that people can come to faith. I mean, even Paul had a, had a thorn in the flesh that he struggled with. We don't know what it was, but he struggled with it, and he asked God over and over and over, go, take it away from me, heal me, whatever it is. And God said, no, my, my grace is sufficient. So just because bad things happen and, and nothing ever you think, never, nothing ever is accomplished through it, you don't understand. His grace is sufficient. So-and-so gets healed, and it's like, wow, 
Look what happened. Why isn't God doing that in my life? Now, see, that's a selfish kind of ambition. Because in all reality, when, when miracles happen, it's to bring honor and glory to who? God, not God's servant. And, and look what happens. Verse 17. But in order that they may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. We'll just command them not to speak Jesus anymore. All right? So look what happens. Verse 18. That's what they decide to do. So they call them back in and they charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of who? You can't speak. You can't talk Jesus. You can't do anything about Jesus. All right? If you work at a place, you can't have anything Jesus up there, all right? That'd be like, ladies, that would be like your husband having to go to work and he has to take his wedding ring off because he really can't talk about anything about marriage, okay, at work. But now when he comes home, he can put it back on. You'd be really proud of that guy, wouldn't you? You would hate his job, wouldn't you? But the whole idea is that here they are. They're saying, okay, now you can't speak or talk to Jesus. Look what happens, verse 19. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, who must judge? Talking to them. You must judge. Talking to the council, the elders. You must judge. If... If you think it's right because you're doing what you think God wants you to do and tell us not to speak Jesus, and we listen to you rather than to God, you have to judge that. But look what happens. Verse 20. For we cannot but speak what we have what? seen and heard. You know why I think churches huddle so much and not get engaged? Because they really haven't seen and they haven't heard. For themselves. I mean, sometimes you have this you know, big name speaker come in. He's got a great testimony of, of how deep he was and he was on his back and all he could do was look up and he came to Jesus and he has a great and wonderful life. We hear about people who go off to college and they get testimonies and they come back and they, they tell how great God is, you know. But just the whole idea that a lot of people haven't really seen and heard or experienced the resurrection of Jesus in their own life. They don't speak. The Peter and John are like, we have seen and we have heard and we have to say it. You're not going to keep us quiet. Because we've seen it and we've heard it. When you've seen an accident out on the road, do you tell anybody else? Typically you do. If something happened to you, do you go home and tell your family about it? Yeah, because you experienced it. But my wife did tell me to quit coming home and telling her I about killed my boy today, you know. She didn't need to hear those stories. But, but just the idea that, you know, we, when we've experienced something, we want to tell people. I mean, we're so thankful that Keith is back in Arkansas. He's not really sure about the heat, but, but just the idea that, you know, he has stories now that he can tell 
And he wants to tell because he experienced it. Next Friday. Okay. And we'll, we'll start hearing about that. Of what God is doing. What God has done. Because he's seen and heard. For those of us that have been on mission, you know, in different parts of the world, we continue to tell those stories. But it doesn't need just to be about abroad. It needs to be here. It needs to be when you're walking down the road and you see somebody that needs help and you go, man, I don't have anything, but I've got Jesus. I, I kind of made a deal with God one day, you know, because uh, I, I really, because of my experience of, of fixing junk, you know, when I see people broke down on the side of the road, I always want to pull and help them. But I can't. And so I kind of said, okay, God, if I've got tools or, you know, and I can help them, I'll pull over and help them, see if I can help them, you know, and go on. And so uh, I think I've told you the story. I was driving and I saw this car with uh, this steam rolling off of it. Well, I'm sure I can help this car. So I pull over. It's two ladies and, and they're kind of freaking out because they think their car is on fire and I'm smelling the steam and it's really the, the radiator. Uh, actually, it's not the radiator. It's the heater inside of the car. Uh, the heater core developed a leak and that steam started coming up and fogging the windshield over. And they were kind of freaking out thinking maybe their car was on fire. So, well, no, it's not on fire, but you are leaking a little bit of water, but it's not bad. Okay. We checked the fluid. You're, you're good. You can go on and drive into to Siloam if you want to the Walmart or wherever you're going and then you, there you might call and see what you need to do but just check your water level I think you'll be alright and they went on it's like thank you Lord you provided something I helped them out all I gave them was what God has helped me with experience with because many times when something breaks and goes awry and goes crazy in my life and I'm just I have to stop and okay, okay God what do you want how do you want me to fix this? Remind me of something that I've done before. Or help me with this. Or, and, and, it's, and it's so cool how the Spirit can come in and remind you of these things, of, of Scripture, of experiences. And you start pulling it all together. And that when you have the opportunity, when it arises, you cannot but speak. Oh, yeah, well, this happened to me. And let me tell you how God worked in my life. cannot but speak of what we've seen and what we've heard. Verse 21. He goes on and he says this. And when they had further threatened them, because now they're really mad, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. We can't beat them. We can't whip them yet. Why? Because of all the people. For all the people were praising God for what happened. Isn't that cool? How that, that miracle rolled past just the idea that the guy's walking, it rolled past that to the glory of God. God, you allowed that guy to walk. Look what happened. Verse 22. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than what? Makes me feel good. I'm 49. God can still work. Yes. You know, but just the idea that this guy was 40, more than 40 years old. They had seen him there a long time. I don't know how long, but this was a credible, credible evidence of the working of God's power. For those of us that are over 40 years old, when you get up out of bed in the morning and your feet hit the ground, it's kind of like, oh, Lord, help me today. 
when a guy gets up and he's jumping and he's dancing because he has his legs again, that's credible. The guy's not making it up. It's been there. It's not like a kid who grows out of it. It's the whole idea that, you know, it's not the Forrest Gump guy that's in braces and he's walking and on one day he starts running and the braces break away and he takes off. No, this is, this is credible. He's been lame for a long time. It's evidence. And it rolled past that. The bonus was he got to walk. The key was the gospel got spread and 5,000 people came to know Jesus because all Peter and John had was Jesus. Look what happens in verse 23. When they were released, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders said to them. Guys, come here. They say we can't speak Jesus anymore. They put us on trial. We, we answered their questions. We did all this stuff. Verse 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to who? So what are they doing here? What's happening? They're praying. This is the first time that you see the disciples and the apostles actually praying. And this is the first prayer that you see them pray after the resurrection of Jesus. So I think this is important. Don't you? Look what they pray. Sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. We're recognizing who God is. Verse 25. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? Talking about the crucifixion of Jesus. Verse 26. The kings of the earth set themselves and rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointing. Verse 27. For truly in this city there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel. In other words, there were people from all over the world that came during that time because it was Passover and they plotted against Jesus and they crucified him. What I think is interesting is do you know anything that Pontius Pilate or that Herod did politically? Do you know anything that they did politically that made them renowned? They are in the footnote of the story of Jesus. The only reason that people all over the world know who Pontius Pilate was or who Herod was is because they know about the story of Jesus. And they're just names in the footnote. Look what happens. Verse 28. To do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. God, you created the world. You spun it into motion. You pulled all of these people together from all over the world for them to crucify your anointed. Because it was your plan for him to die for the sins of the whole world. Verse 29. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. These are the same people who crucified Jesus. They're threatening us not to speak Jesus anymore. Look upon their threats, okay? And grant to your servants to continue to speak 
your word with all what? You know what's interesting? They didn't pray for God to, uh, to keep them safe. They didn't, they didn't pray God to you know, put a hedge of protection around them and protect them from the evil one. They didn't pray that, okay, God, it's, it's getting really rough right here. We need, to, we need maybe to move. Let's go someplace safe. I mean, mamas are, are, are forever saying to their children when they leave the house, be careful, be safe, <coughs> drive safely. I, and I get that. But just the idea that here they know that things are starting to amp up. You know, they were threatened probably with an inch of their life not to speak Jesus anymore. Or what the same thing would happen, happen to Jesus is going to happen to them. And they're not praying for safety and they're not praying for protection. They're praying for boldness to speak because of what they've seen and they've heard. That we may continue to speak your word with all what? Boldness. Are you ready to speak with all boldness? Verse 30. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant who? God, as you continue to heal, do signs and wonders, as you continue to minister, as we are your hands and your feet, and we're giving Jesus to people, we're doing this in the name of Jesus. Verse 31. And when they had what? Prayed. They just talked to God. Things were getting ready to blow. And what was their first response? We need to pray. We need to huddle. We need to huddle. And let's get God's wisdom and knowledge in order to take the next steps. And look what happened. In the place where they were gathered together, it was what? There was an earthquake. I remember my first earthquake. I'm just sitting in my living room just a couple of years ago. And it's like around 10 o'clock at night. I'm just sitting on the floor and we have a cement pad and all of a sudden I just felt it shake. And I was like, what was that? That must have been an earthquake. I have never felt one before. I've had people tell me all about them. I've read about them, the, the ones in California and things like that. And just imagine that things were shaking. And you had no control and nowhere to go. Do you think that would get your attention? Got mine. And here they were gathered together. The place that they were gathered in was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they continued to what? Speak the word of God with what? Boldness. Boldness. They continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I was teaching this one time um, at a Disciple Now and we were at Gentry and I was in uh, uh, Charlotte Earwood's house and uh, a bunch of the kids in the youth group were there and I was actually teaching through this and, and I actually got to this verse and we're talking about the place being shaken 
and all of a sudden the windows on the house started to shake. And you should have seen the kids going. I mean, it was really freak, it was freaking me out. And then all of a sudden I heard the train whistle. I mean, it really shouldn't have been a, it should have been, oh, man. Because I used to run this firewood processor, and, and I could put a whole tree on there, and, and it would cut it and split it. And it was set over here across from the golf course here in Siloam. My dad had a sawmill there, and I'd set it up there. And when I first started running it, I'd be sitting there and running it, and, and I've got earmuffs on and all the stuff. And, that, and then I would start hearing something. And I start feeling something that, you know, okay, something's wrong with the machine. When you're around big machinery and you hear a different sound or you feel something's going on different, it gets everybody's attention. You start, you know, looking and seeing what's going on. And so I'm looking at this machine and I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And then I'd hear the train whistle and I would jump and go, okay, good. All right, it's just the train. My machine's not falling apart. Let's just keep working. They were praying and the place shook as confirmation to continue to speak in boldness, and they did. Because of what they seen and what they heard. And they were praying, and the place shook, and now we get to hear about it. Because they experienced it, and they wrote it down. One of the first prayers that they ever prayed. Wow. Isn't that crazy? That's exciting. It's not about us. It's about Him. So today I want to do something a little different. I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I just want you to pray for boldness. I just want you to pray that, that whatever God has in store for you, wherever your legs go, wherever, wherever your feet take you to travel, wherever you go in your car, whatever you do, where, whoever you um, run into, it, the experience that you have is that you give them Jesus. That God would give you the knowledge and wisdom to be his hands and his feet and be able to speak Jesus at the opportune time so that he may be glorified. So pray for boldness. Father, we just come to you and we thank you for the opportunity to be able to be your hands and your feet, to be your chosen people. I pray, Lord, that you would give us opportunities and that, Lord, that we would be bold to take those opportunities and to speak speak Jesus, to speak about what we've seen and, and heard from you. And so, Father, I pray that you'll continue to work in our lives in such a way that we may see what you see. That as we listen, that we listen the way that you would. So that, Lord, that when we respond, it's not really in our own strength and power, but through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we may respond in the way that you would. Because we've been with you. And again, we just thank you for the opportunity to be able to be your servants. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
guys, thank you very much, and have a great week. And also, don't forget, um, you know, the 30th we'll be voting on a special call business meeting about purchasing this possible campus. And then uh, decals, if you'd like to purchase one of those decals, you can for 5 bucks. And you're like, well, I don't have cash. You can swipe it on the card. We have a way to, to do that as well. And uh, if you'd like information, there's information back there. Uh, if you'd like, people wondered, well, how do we join the church? You know, how do, how do you become a member of Mosaic? Well, there's a covenant over here on this table. Uh, you can take that home with you, read through it, and uh, it's pretty self-explanatory there. If you'd like to be a member, just fill it out and turn it back in, and, and we can go from there. All right, have a great week. Don't get too hot today. Just saying.